Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, on the last podcast, I ended it by asking the question, how much worse can it get? And then we get to Monday and get the news that Bradley Chubb tore his ACL. So apparently... Much worse. It got worse, didn't it? It got way worse. Uh, yeah, this is um, this is a, a bit of a, a bit of a blow. Uh, he he looked like he was really coming into his own. Year two was going to be a solid year for Bradley Chubb, even if it wasn't going to be a solid year for the Denver Broncos. And now, not so much. Kind of uh, kind of disheartening. And uh, you know, it's it begs the question: How in the world did he get back out on the field? with a with a torn ACL it just is it sort of boggles the mind and a lot of people want to talk about how tough it makes him that oh he played with a torn ACL look how tough he is uh, yeah I agree but also how do you miss that 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 to me may may be the most concerning part of this is how do you miss that that's the question that I want to know because if you watch the replay of it and Nikki Jabavala at the athletic had the replay of when it happened and you can see when he gets over to the sideline he slams his helmet down bends over 
you could tell that he knows what happened to him. And if the, if the listeners don't know, Bradley Chubb tore the, the, the ACL in that same knee when he was in high school. So he knows what happened to him. I'm, I'm relatively sure he knew that he tore it. So the fact that he was still able to get back out on the field and play the rest of the fourth quarter is insane. But how it gets diagnosed as cramps? Yeah, look, cramps? I'm, I've never torn an ACL, right? But I've had cramps. And honestly, as, as I've gone back and, and looked at that again, it didn't look like cramps. It doesn't look like cramps. It looks like a guy who injured his leg. I mean, look at the way he walks off the field. When you cramp up, your muscles tighten. That's what a cramp is. It's when your muscles just tighten up and you can't move. And I guess he had some cramping issues earlier in the game, and so maybe that was just where the mind goes when you have, well, he was cramping earlier, so this must be cramps again. But these are these are professionals. And, and not to throw Steve Antonopoulos under the bus here, but – how long have you been in the NFL? How long have you been on a on an NFL sideline and and seen injuries like this and that you and then you couldn't or didn't or chose not to or I I'd prefer maybe couldn't? Is that maybe the best case scenario? Couldn't diagnose this correctly? Or is the best case scenario chose not to? I, I don't know what the best case scenario is here for this, but it's it's incompetence all the way around. That's not good. And Kudos to the Broncos' uh, public relations team of Patrick Smythe, Eric Schubert, and Seth Medvin because they had Bradley Chubb taking questions on Tuesday. And the first question that he was asked on uh, was when his injury happened and what his reaction was when he got the news. So this is what Bradley Chubb said. It happened with like 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I just went to the sideline. It felt, it, I felt, it felt like a little discomfort. They checked my ACL on the sideline. It was perfectly fine. They said it was stable and all that. I did a couple of running drills and did a couple of things where I was pushing on guys to make sure it was planting in the ground well. We both felt comfortable enough to go back out there and play. Like head coach Vic Vangio said on Monday, nobody was as surprised to know it was a partially torn ACL than myself. It's one of those things. It sucks right now. It's going to make me a better person. I'm looking forward to the journey. I'm looking forward to still being around this team, still being the guy and the leader that I need to be. Just because I'm sidelined with an injury doesn't mean I can't be Bradley Chubb. My main thing is to just try and take as to take as much positive from this situation as I can and just move forward. Great. I don't know how much <laughs> great, great. there's spin in that because when you see, I, as you said, I've had cramps. And I've I've cramped up during sporting events. I don't remember getting so frustrated with a cramp that I slam my hands into the ground. No, because usually when you cramp up, it's like it's a feeling, right? It's it's you're so tight, like you just want to you just want to massage it out, right? You get a cramp and you just want I just need to massage this out. I just massage it out. So this doesn't make any sense at all. It, it just to me, it's it doesn't make sense, and I, I get it, like good for you that you were able to tough through it and finish the game and that's fine. But what it really sounds like is he probably strained it in some way and they determined that it wasn't a tear. So they sent him back out there and then because it was strained already, and then you end up with a uh, sort of a full blown partial, full blown partial tear. That's what, that's what I'm going with there. I'll give you an example of what I have recently experienced. I damaged my plantar fascia in my left foot 
playing old man slow pitch softball uh, about six weeks ago. It's been six been six weeks, and I actually felt the 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 pain in my foot before it happened. So like I sort of strained it a little bit, but then ignored it and went out and kept playing. And then as I was running, that's when I sort of blew it out. And now I'm dealing with you know physical therapy and all this other you know old old man stuff. And so uh, to me, that's what this seems like. Just from that standpoint, is that. Uh, he kind of tweaked it maybe and then was like, yeah, but it's fine. And then went out there and, and completed the damage. And and that's where the problem is. You let him go back out there. That That's my problem with it. He was allowed to go back out on the field. A- at a certain point, as an asset to the team, he's too valuable to risk in that situation. Th- that was a mistake. To me, that was a mistake. To put a cap on this, I, I mentioned that he had torn the ACL in that same knee in high school. He was asked on Tuesday if he has ever had a major injury. This is what Chubb said in high school. It was actually crazy. Seven years to that exact date, I tore my ACL on the same day, September 29th, 2012, and then September 29th, 2019. It's crazy how that's how that works. That was my first injury. Like I said, it made me who I am today. I remember I was in the hospital bed and I didn't know if I was ever going to get college offers and stuff like that. And look where I am now. I can only imagine what this injury is going to do for me. I'm 23 years old. I'm still young, only in my second year. And I'm so I'm just excited to get back and get into the rehab process. 2012 to now is 10 times different. I know I'm going to be back even better. And I, I love his attitude. I, I mean, the one thing that I think I can say for both of us is that uh, we can't wait to see what Bradley Chubb is going to look like, especially if he has this motivation already with a devastating injury that, I mean, I mean, this is what they do. It's what they love to do, but it's also what they're paid to do. And he's going to miss out on that now. And I, I can only imagine the motivation that it's going to, that it's going to give him. And uh, I think we both wish uh, Chubb the, the best in his recovery and, can't wait to see what he looks like coming back in, in 2020. Yeah, and if I could just to, to put an extra cap on top of it, a little piece of advice for Bradley Chubb on September 29th of 2026, stay in bed. You know, just stay in bed. That's seven yeah. years. You know, it's just it's, take a nap. You'll even be fine. if you're not practicing, even, even if it's just a practice, stay in bed that day. Just stay in bed. I don't care if it's practice, game, off day. I don't care what you're doing. Stay in bed. That's that's my advice. So, yeah. Uh, the other thing that sort of comes out of this, and I, I think we have to address it because it's just so ridiculous, is the notion that the Denver Broncos are are sort of suffering uh, because they didn't keep Shaq Barrett. Like, they didn't make a bigger effort to re-sign Shaq Barrett. But can we, can we put this to bed? And uh, uh, Jeffrey Essery has kind of been on it. So has Ryan Edwards, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, the notion that, that the Broncos – made a mistake by letting Shaq Barrett go. He wanted to start. So he wasn't going to start over Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And so he went and signed a one-year deal with Tampa, a one-year prove me, prove it deal, right? Like prove yourself to the league kind of deal. And and he's proving it. Good for him. He's out there and he's killing it right now. He's in a great system for him. He's got a, a really good defensive line that sort of allows him the opportunity to get to the quarterback as much as he has been. What were the Broncos supposed to do there? The Broncos weren't going to give him a big enough contract 
or an opportunity to start, he did what he needed to do what was best for his career. This isn't on the Broncos here. This That to me is, that narrative has to die. As Joe Rolls tweeted in response to a national media guy who clearly doesn't know what he's talking about and Elvin Silva, Joe quoted Shaq Barrett from December. I want to start. I want to be a guy somewhere. I don't want to just be a role player. He wasn't going to start in Denver. It doesn't get more black and white than that. Now, you can make the argument that maybe the Broncos shouldn't have drafted Bradley Chubb. Maybe they take Quentin Nelson. But that's a completely different argument from the one these national people continue to bring up. And how did the Broncos let Shaq Barrett go? <laughs> yeah, I like the way you say that. It, it really is sort of just like, – it, it, it makes me laugh because it's just a, a bad take. That's really all it is. It's just a bad take. And you kind of have to suffer through it, I guess. But it, it, it has nothing to do with, with reality. And that's that's my problem with it, I think, really. That has nothing to do with reality. Reality is Bradley Chubb was the best player available on the board at that time. They He fell into their lap. Not taking him there, okay, maybe you take Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson is, is a good offensive lineman. The Broncos need offensive line. But Bradley Chubb and Von Miller paired together for the next five, five six, seven years, that's going to be an incredible tandem. Now, obviously, we don't get to see it this year because of the unfortunate uh, ACL tear, but to me, it's just you're just you're just trying to create a narrative where you're saying bad things about a team because you want to say bad things about a team, and it has nothing to do with reality. And so, get out of here with your fantasy world. It doesn't work for me. I mean, there are plenty of things to criticize John Elway for, but for that to be the hill to die on to criticize John Elway, no, that's just that's asinine. I mean, if, if you're putting it in war terms, if you're dying on that hill, that's a hill that's not even involved in the battle, and, you, and, and you're sitting there and you're just dying alone because it's not worth dying on. So, yeah, this is... And it's not even a hill. I it's think it's more like an anthill. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a molehill, right? You've made a mountain out of a molehill, and you're going to die on a molehill because you can't seem to understand that this is a stupid narrative that you need to push. I mean, rail on John Elway for things, right? He has made some big mistakes. He has he has been a, he he drafted poorly for years. Uh you can you can certainly go into into some of those things. This this I mean this come on. This this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. That's what this is. And huge congrats to Shaq Barrett. I mean, even yeah. as Richard Sherman tweeted on on Sunday Shaq bet on himself and he's he's winning and kudos to him because even if he doesn't stay in in Tampa he's gonna get a massive contract if he continues to play the way he is he's he's on pace to get paid I think that's the the best way to say it he's on pace to get paid so all right what are the Broncos in the process of doing not getting paid well they're getting paid they're just not in the process of winning I I don't even know I know what they need to try to avoid because I was joking with my wife before we started recording, before you even jumped on. I said, we thought the the awful history was going to be eliminated when the Broncos eliminated Vance Joseph. Well, apparently not, because if the Broncos lose on Sunday to the Chargers, it will be the first time in franchise history. In franchise history, the Broncos have ever started a season 
O and five. Oh, oh, oh! I, you know what? That actually is a bit of a surprise to me, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. They were really bad in the '60s, so I kind of just assumed they had to have an O, O and five in there somewhere, right? There had to be a moment in the 1960s where they just they just lost the first five games, right? It just didn't you assume that without really looking into it that? Yeah, yeah, there was probably a season where they went 0 and 5, right? And I guess, I guess not. I don't, you would I don't, think, especially especially in the middle 60s, because they they really struggled. Yeah, late uh, even in the late 60s, even when they had Floyd Little I franchise. Say, yeah. I guess Floyd Little earns you a win or two in the first five games, so I guess I guess there is that. Yeah, you know the the history side of it. Uh, you know, you you can you can put it in, in a couple different ways. The longer you do something the more likely something is to happen, right? And so the, the longer you're in the league as a franchise, the more likely it is that you're going to have stretches like this. And we talked about, uh, you know, uh, Mace's tweet, for example, the 0-4, they're 0-8 in their last games, and, and sort of the terrible win percentage over the last 48 games. We, we could go into all of that. I think that it, what you're seeing right now is a franchise that just is really unsure of itself uh, and doesn't have a direction. And, and you know, that all kind of continues to come from the top. And until that's all figured out, this is probably this is this is the world we live in now. And and until things get figured out, this is what we're going to have to deal with as fans. And so I guess the question becomes now what, right? But we we can't do too much about the history that's about to be made because, from what I can tell, every every single week there's an opportunity for some some more bad history to be made. Now what for the Broncos? What what do they have to do moving forward? I, I think that's probably what people are most interested in. I think as tough as it is, there is a complete reset when they when Elway and the Broncos fired Vance Joseph. And when they brought in Vic Fangio and new coordinators, a first-time offensive coordinator bringing back Ed Donatel to the Broncos for his third stint with the franchise – it was going to take time because even if you look at the Chicago Bears, when Vic Fangio was brought in with John Fox, they didn't turn the Chicago Bears into what they are now until about three years. And it actually took John Fox being fired and then bringing in Matt Nagy to get them over the hump. So it's going to take time. And I we have said this repeatedly through the first four weeks of the season that Broncos country has to be patient. And I think that is going to be the key word the rest of the season is to be patient. Because as I said, there is a complete reset when they fired Vance Joseph and brought in Vic Fangio. They're going to have to get players in for Fangio's defense that fit his system, whether it's through the draft or through free agency. And hopefully when free agency, they're not injured players. But I think that's what you want to see. And I, I think the other thing is even if it's not resulting in wins and Jeff, Jeff Essery and I got into a, a big debate in our Slack channel on Tuesday about what to do and what not to do. And he, he brought up a great point where just give it some time, let them get the players in here. Let, let, let it play itself out because the last two years, at least in terms of the draft, Elway has shown that he's capable of turning it around from where the mistakes that he made in 2000, through 2013 through 2017. So at least he's shown that capability. So 
let it play out, be patient, and then see what they do on the field. I mean, I, I, I still think that you can see with Fangio and the offense, the pieces are there. There's, there's a, a foundation there. Now it's just a matter of letting it develop. That's a great point. Um, and again, I, I will sort of, I, I will echo that, but then I will also go back to uh, my belief that until the ownership situation is handled uh, and you know who's in charge and you know what direction that's going, uh, this really will continue to be a bit of a rudderless ship because what are you building for? Uh, when Pat Bolin was the was the owner, when it was Pat Bolin who was in charge, you kind of knew what was expected of you, and there and there were uh, consequences to your actions. And at this point, without a real ownership uh, group or, or or one person at the helm, expectations are sort of, I guess I guess they're unknown really. But as you said, this idea of John Elway being bad at drafting, I, I think the last two drafts, you know, eighteen and nineteen, the two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen drafts there was a change in the way that the draft was approached. And I also think it'll be interesting to see how Vic Fangio and his coaching staff have input into that and continue to guide those drafts coming up, 2020, 2021, those kinds of things. So it, it'll, it, it, you're right. The, the idea here is there probably isn't much to get excited about in the 2019 season. Not that I don't think you, uh, you should watch the games every Sunday, because you should, but the idea of watching this team and seeing what kinds of improvement you get on the field and then how that can be built upon moving forward. That's one of the things. And when we get to our players to watch, which we'll do a little later, uh, one of my players to watch is all about that idea of building, right? It's all about that idea of young players that are exciting to watch and watching them grow. And, and, and that's kind of where the excitement is right now as well. You, you don't have a lot to get excited about if you're thinking about playoffs and wins and things like that. You may want to slow your roll a little bit, but there's potential here for building a future that can that can lead to some serious uh, some serious years of winning if they do this correctly and and I I think that they can I think they have the people in place it's just the ownership situation that has me nervous and I am excited I am still excited about Vic Fangio I think he is the right coach to lead this team not just as a Wade Phillips or John Fox type of where he he's the right guy for right now and then you bring someone else in to lead them over the hump i think vic fangio is the guy for both so i'm still excited about vic fangio and what he can do with this team he just needs the time to get the players in for his system like he did with chicago and i think he's proven over the course of his career as a defensive mastermind that when given the pieces and given the time, he can develop a very, very good defense. There's a reason Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur all said the toughest defensive coordinator to go against is Vic Fangio. So give it some time. And I, I think that you can see even on offense with Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders and Philip Lindsay and Dalton Reisner and Royce Freeman, and even Noah Fant on that on his first career touchdown. You can see what can be possible with the offense. It's it's really all right there. I, I think that that is um, that's a great way to look at it. This idea that 
um, you're, you're building towards the future. And, and I, I hope that it works out. I'd like to think that it will. Uh, in the meantime, there is a game coming up. The Broncos do play the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles, so it is a home game uh, because the Charger fans don't have uh, fans. They don't exist. They're non-existent. Is that the way to say that? Charger fans yeah. are non-existent. That is the, the phrase I'm looking for. So we got to talk about the game. We got to talk about what's happening. We got to talk about what to look forward to. And um, so I guess I guess I'll kick it over to you. Do you want to start with players to watch? You want to go with your keys? What are you thinking? Let me go with what to watch for for oh, the I game. Like so as as has been the case through the first five weeks of the season, Denver would become the 14th team to reach 500 overall wins if they beat the Chargers on Sunday. Denver would also become the sixth team since its inaugural season in 1960 to reach 500 overall wins. Running back Royce Freeman needs 121 yards of offense to reach 1,000 scrimmage yards for his career. Chris Harris Jr., who has 19 career interceptions, needs one interception to become the 12th Bronco to intercept 20 passes for the franchise. And Vaughn Miller, who currently has 100 career sacks, he's tied for 33rd all-time, needs one sack to pass Charles Haley, Cameron Wake, and Will Fuller into sole sole possession of 30th place on the NFL's all-time sack list. Those are some great things to watch for. I I, I cannot wait uh, to see if any of those things happen. I don't know about Royce Freeman getting to 120. That would be a heck of a day for him. But, you know, the others are possible, I suppose, right? Absolutely. And in terms of the series breakdown, uh, Sunday will be the 119th game between the Broncos and Chargers. The Broncos' record in that series is 65 wins, 52 losses, and one tie. Broncos are 40, 18, and 1 at home, 25, and 34 on the road. When do they play on the road? I don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me. What's interesting is the first game ever played between the two teams was on October 16, 1960. It was 23 to 19. The last game played on December 30, 2018 in Denver. Actually, both games were played in Denver. The score was 23 to 9. So, so I, I just thought that was interesting. Twos and threes and nines kind of have a, like if you're a number person, if you're one of those numerologists, you're like, oh, numbers. Maybe you play 23, 19, two and three and your lotto or whatever. I don't know. So, all right. Um, well, let's, let's jump into players to watch. How about we do that? So we know what we're watching for. Uh, and some of your, some of the players to watch for me kind of play off of that on offense. Um, my offensive player to watch, I'm just going to jump in, I'll go first, is Cortland Sutton. And we've been talking about that building of the young core on offense. And what we've seen over the last few games is that Cortland Sutton is becoming uh, sort of your one, maybe we'll call him 1B for now because Emmanuel Sanders is still 1A. But he's your 1B wide receiver. And he has a connection with Joe Flacco. And it's something that uh, is is fun to watch. And watching his development as a player uh, in year two, two here is is phenomenal I, I mean again you can kind of you go back to last year's draft these the, those guys that were rookies last year in their second year seem to really be uh coming on especially Cortland Sutton and what Bradley Chubb was doing as well um so so for me on the offensive side I really want to watch Cortland Sutton I want to see how he does uh, and how he continues to grow uh in his role as really the number one B wide receiver 
And for me, it's I'm going to go with uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman because I think in the second half, and I, I think it might have been because of of necessity, the Broncos got away from running the football, yeah. and I think that's because the Broncos couldn't stop it. I want to see if Rich Scangarello can hopefully get the Broncos back to doing what they did against the Packers, and that's running the football. And I, I, I'm not taking anything away from Rich Scangarello and the way that he's called the games the last two day, the last two games, because I thought he's done a very good job. And you could even go back to the Bears game, but I want to see the Broncos on the road get the running game rolling and firing like they did against the Packers. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be fun to watch, right? Get the running game going and then also, you know, hit Cortland Sutton for a few touchdown passes. I might even consider starting Cortland Sutton this week on my fantasy football team. Not that we talk about fantasy football. Uh, Players to watch on defense. I'll let you go first. I'm going to go with the guys who are going to be replacing Bradley Chubb because now there's going to be a heavy focus on Vaughn Miller. So who's going to step up and take the pressure off of Von Miller? And it can come from the guys on the interior. It can come from the guys on the edge. So Malik Reed, um, he's he's probably the the next man up. Got his first John career Fox. sack in the last game, so that's you know that's a good thing. And the John and the John for John for John Fox isms, Malik Reed is the next man up. So. Hopefully he plops it out there and Ooh. it does perform. Well done. I like that. I like how you, the, the sort of you rolled those things together very nicely. So I, I enjoyed that. That was well well put together. So, yeah, good stuff. I, I'm, I'm actually going to go with Chris Harris Jr. Um, I, I would love to see Strap Harris get his 20th interception. That would be great. But I also want to see – I had, a, I had a, a guy ask me today. I work with a guy who's a big Denver Bronco fan and, and um, uh, fan of the show. Shout out to Chris. And uh, different Chris. They're both named Chris. It's crazy. Uh, he, he asked me if I thought that Chris Harris Jr. looked like he was going at 100% uh, in the last game. And, I, I you know, against the Jags, I, I said, you know, I didn't think that it – I don't. I didn't think that he was dogging it out there. Um but I guess maybe the perception in, in Broncos country is that some people feel like maybe he knows he's not going to be with the Broncos next year or that it's unlikely he'll be with the Broncos next year and that he might get traded or whatever. And so some of his statements after the game were taken as um, maybe maybe insulting or as somebody who doesn't want to be here or whatever. You know, There was lots of ways to take that. And then, of course, he came out in the media the next day and said, no, I want to be here. I love being a Bronco and uh, kind of tried to remedy some of that. And so my, my curiosity with that is he's very close to some milestones and he's a leader on that defense. Is he going to step up in this game? Is he going to sort of shut down Keenan Allen, if you will? Because uh, that'll, be that'll be a fun competition to watch as well. And does he really want to be here, right? Does he really want to be in Denver? Does he really want to be a Denver Bronco? Or is he just saying that because he knows it's the right thing to say and because, you know, the Denver Broncos sort of got to him and said, hey, you got you to fix this. And so... That watching him is sort of threefold. You know, there's some milestone stuff there. There's a, a fun competition with Keenan Allen there, and then does it look like he really wants to be in Denver? And the, those three things sort of make him an interesting player to watch. In terms of keys to the game, for me, I I have my own, and then I'm also going to use uh, Mile High Report staffer Satterain. I'll, I'll mention his key to the game, but for me, 
It's finish. Finish the game. There's been the, the two the two home games. They didn't finish. Joe Flacco and the offense did its job. They did their job. They should have won both of those games. And as we said on the post-game podcast for both games, the defense decides that it's going to soil itself. Yep. So finish games. Who down the side of their legs, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, that was finish rough. the game. That, that was rough. And I agree. then, and then for Sad's key, he he had an interesting one, and I I think it's something that they need to to consider, and that and that's the team needs to flip the script on the philosophy overall. The defense is not good. The offense has a lot of skill, talent. Open up the passing game, get aggressive early, and try to win by scoring a ton of points. Don't abandon the run game, but stop making it the focus that keeps the offense under 30 every week. The defense, sad says lowercase d, can't win games anymore, so create big holes that the opponents can't get out of. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And, you know, it is sort of – it's sad – that that it's a lowercase d right now and it's especially lowercase with the loss of Bradley Chubb and perhaps with sort of some some guys maybe feeling like they don't want to be here anymore don't want to be in don't want to be in Broncos country so uh yeah that's a good one my key to the game is the third quarter and you heard me sort of rail on this after the the game against the Jaguars the the fact that they came out so flat and so dead after that Jaguars game or after the after halftime of that Jaguars game it just blew me away that they came out and looked the way that they did. The third quarter is incredibly important, and if the Broncos want to win, they need to come out in the third quarter and and put their stamp on the game. That's when you make your statement. That's when you make your move. Uh, to me, if, if you think of it in terms of golf, which, you know, if you watch a big golf tournament, what day is moving day? Saturday is moving day. Well, that's the third day of a tournament. That's the third quarter, if you will. The third quarter is when is when you come out and you smack somebody in the mouth and say, this game is ours. And I would really like to see them do that. That would be pretty cool. I don't know that they will, but that would be something that would help them get the win. So you got a, you got a score prediction? I got one. I'm going to go with 31-13 Chargers. Ooh, we're really close on that. Uh, I'm going to go with 17-13 Chargers. Uh, I don't think the defense gives up 31 points. But I don't think the offense scores more than 13. And so we're kind of right in line there. That's that's a, that's an interesting one. Well, the reason I have it 31 is uh, there's a defensive touchdown for the Chargers and a special teams touchdown for the Chargers. Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, I don't like any of that. Or are you telling me I need to go out and pick up uh, the Los Angeles Chargers defense before this game on Sunday? Because I can't. If, we if we were talking about fantasy football, I would definitely go out and get the Chargers special teams and the defense. But we don't we don't really talk about uh, fantasy football because usually it's just me complaining about how bad my team is. Uh, do you want to do bold predictions? I don't really have one. I, I don't know that I can get bold with this team. I'll, I'll make a bold prediction. I think there might be more Chargers fans Ooh, in attendance. That is a bold prediction. That's actually a, a very bold prediction because we always joke about it being a, just another home game. Uh, hopefully that you will see a sea of orange in Los Angeles, but that's a really big, bold prediction. On that note, I think what we do here is we just take a quick, quick little break. We're going to step away. And then when we come back, we'll do a wrap around the AFC West and the rest of the NFL. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U S like I am now. Identify a problem. 
creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, and we're back. That was fun. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the whatever commercials you had to listen to there. Ian, what uh, AFC West game is the most intriguing to you as as far as the one that is not the Broncos and the Chargers? But even more intriguing than the, the Broncos and the Chargers, the Bears-Raiders. Since the game is in London, there is a very real possibility that the Bears shut out the Raiders, which would be perfect and they could still do it even without Roquan Smith. Yeah, the Roquan Smith stuff is crazy. Like, I, so uh, you know, I'm out in the I'm in the Midwest here. You know, I'm, I'm get all the Bears news and just what's going on with Roquan Smith and this notion that he wrecked his Ferrari. And uh, actually, it it sort of brings back memories of when I first moved out to this area. And uh, do you remember Lance Briggs? He used to be a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. He wrecked his Ferrari. I think it was a Ferrari or a Lamborghini and then walked away, right? He wrecked his car and then walked away. Obviously, he was probably driving under the influence and uh, decided he didn't want to deal with that. And so he got busted for leaving the scene. Uh, and so Roquan Smith doesn't make the trip with the Bears and is is going to be left behind. And they will face uh, Khalil Mack's former team without Roquan Smith. And I think probably still... Uh, go ahead and put a beat down on the Raiders, who are traveling a long way and then also playing an early game. Like, they don't even get a late game in this because of the time change. So they end up having to play what to them is going to feel like an early game, but it's going to seem like a late game because of the fact that they're going to be in London. It's it's all kinds of craziness for the Raiders. Happy to see them lose to the Bears. I'm fine with it. Are the, thing you- I want to see, the thing I want to see is Cleo Mack repay – the Broncos by getting five sacks on the Raiders. Yeah, it's like um, a little quid pro quo, right? Uh, we'll do that for you, though. I do need something from you, uh, and it would be five sacks against the Raiders. I'd be fine with that. That'd be great. Uh, are you going to watch the uh, Colts and the Chiefs on Sunday night? No, I don't want to hear any more slobbering over Patrick Mahomes. But he's the greatest. Uh, he's the Hall of Famer. Duh, 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 duh. So actually, I, I find this to be incredibly annoying, and, and and I'm curious what your take is on it. I was just thinking about it. Every once in a while, when I'm getting ready in the morning, I'll I'll turn on uh, uh, ESPN, and, and it'll be on um, uh, Mike and what is it? It's not Mike and Mike anymore. It's uh, Wink, Mike uh, Golick and Wingo or whatever. Is that what they call Wingo it? Wingo and Golick. Golick and Wingo, Wingo and Golick, whatever. And anytime they talk about Patrick Mahomes. Trey Wingo has to call him Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes. And I, my problem with it is this, and, and, and I don't want to get too far into the, you know, into the trees here so I lose sight of the forest, but I, I'm sick and tired of announcers, and we just got we kind of just talked about this. I'm sick and tired of announcers being so 
all over these players. And you you mentioned it, the slobbering over Patrick Mahomes. I don't remember as a kid watching games and hearing announcers just slurp up every little thing that a player did. Like it was it was just talk about the game, talk about what's going on. And, and, and don't tell me how great this player is and what a good guy he is and how he's a future Hall of Famer and, oh, he's so wonderful and magnificent. Like, I don't need that. And it gets it, – it, it's it's obnoxious. That's the word I'm looking for. It's obnoxious and it makes me want to turn it off. I might watch the game just because I might have Jacoby Brissett going on my fantasy team, but I, I might make a switch on that. I don't know. I haven't decided. Aside from that – yeah, I think you're right. I don't need to hear Chris Collinsworth, you know, mumble about how great Patrick Mahomes is. I, I mean, you're right. I mean, I don't remember hearing people slobber over Joe Montana. No, and he was perhaps the second greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, just behind John Elway. And then some of the other games I'm looking at, I not really interested in any of them it's, it's tough right i'm actually kind Maybe of the packers in, cowboys yeah packers cowboys is one that stuck out to me kind of an old school matchup right those are always fun uh and the packers are the packers and the cowboys look like a really good team this year that could be a fun matchup uh the other one that kind of stuck out to me was buccaneers and saints uh the saints won a game against the cowboys where they only kicked field goals and then the buccaneers have been you know the tampa bay buccaneers have been chucking the ball all over the place and they just beat the Los Angeles Rams. So that that one is an intriguing game to me. I, I mean obviously I uh also have some fantasy players in that game. I've got Kamara, I've got Evans, I've got Godwin. So I've got players that I want to watch, but that just seems to me like it could be a really interesting game in general because of the way that those teams are are sort of made up and it, sh- it should be a fun one. I don't know. That one I, I will probably watch. The thing that's interesting is the Saints have won two games without Drew Brees. Who is, I guess he's not necessary. <laughs> well, if you have Alvin Kamara. This is true. Probably, it makes it a little bit easier to not have Drew Brees. But I, and the thing that made that, that Buccaneers win impressive is that it happened in LA at the Coliseum. Right. They traveled across the country and, and they got to win against a, a tough team. And they, they scored a lot of points. I mean, that, I don't remember the exact score, but wasn't it a 50-burger? Didn't they score 50? They absolutely did. Yeah. So that that tells you that that offense is really good. Jameis Winston has a connection with both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So that that's a that's a team to watch right now, I think, as well. So, yeah, that'll be a fun one. Uh, I'm, I, I will say I am also excited about the Monday night game, Browns and 49ers. Uh, I just there's something intriguing about it to me. I know it's not a super exciting game. Uh, I don't know. Ever since I saw that picture of uh, Nick Chubb lining up to run the hundred meters in high school, and he looked like a, a giant compared to a bunch of little baby childrens, uh, I, I just am curious to watch him run again. I don't know. Did you see that that tweeted out? I didn't, but I it's, I can't imagine comical. why you would. I, I can't imagine why you would want to watch Monday Night Football and have to endure Booger McFarland. Uh, I watch it on mute. It's pretty simple. You just mute, and then I just watch the game. Um, Booger's tough. You know, the tandem of, of Booger and, and Tessitore is just – it's not an improvement over Witten and Tessitore, and they were terrible as well. So, 
I just so I, Witten wasn't the problem. I think Witten was a part of the problem, but I don't think that what they did it fixed it because the only way to fix the problem would be to get rid of everybody and then bring in people who are actually good. Uh, and and they didn't do that. So yeah, no Monday night won't be fun to watch if you're listening to it. Uh, just hit hit the mute button. Just watch the game. Maybe turn on the closed captions so you can read what people are saying. I guess if you're that interested, but. You don't have to be. Buy a radio and listen to it on radio and watch it on TV. Remember doing that as a kid? I used to do that when Phil Simms was the the color commentator on CBS. But what's interesting is you mentioned the the commentators and, and the analysts and the media people slobbering over players. The other thing that's changed, and it was in large part because of Pat Bolin, is how irrelevant Monday Night Football is now. Do you do you really think it's irrelevant though? Yes, the games aren't any good. I don't remember the last good Monday Night game. They don't have good games. That I mean, Sunday Night Football is the game of the week, and it used to be Monday Night Football. It's not the case anymore. I don't even think people care about Monday Night Football. They care about Sunday Night Football. That is the game of the week. Yeah. So I just. I have the schedule up, so I decided to, to sort of look back through the Monday night games just this season. Uh, Broncos and Raiders and Texans and Saints. The Texans and Saints game was was a fun game to watch. It ended up uh, probably being – that actually probably was the game of the week. Um, and then week two, your Monday night matchup was Browns-Jets. It was a blowout. I'm not sure what was exciting about that. Baker Mayfield against Sam Darnold? Meh, don't think so. Week three, the Bears clobbered the Redskins, a bad Redskins team that hasn't won on at home on Monday night in I don't know how many years. So what was the point of that? And then the Steelers destroying the Bengals on Monday night. Yeah, I think I at least this season so far, there really hasn't been a Monday night matchup other than that Saints one uh, at you know the first week of the season that's really been worth watching. So that's that's a really interesting take. And I, I, let's let's look. I'm going to look ahead even further. The Monday night, the next Monday night game is Lions Packers. Does that does that shiver your timbers? Depends on where the game is played. Uh, it's played in Green Bay. Then no, the Lions aren't going to win in Green Bay. Yeah. I'm how sorry. about how about Patriots Jets the following week? Are your timbers? Oh, that is so intriguing. Sign me up for the Patriots shutting out the Jets again. Hey, here's a fun one: Dolphins Steelers Monday night. Oh, good lord. <laughs> uh, week nine. I'm I'm trying here. Cowboys Giants. Huh? Huh? Well, as a fantasy owner, I hope that Saquon Barkley is back for that game. He might actually be back for that game. So there you go on that. Uh, And then the next week, it's Seahawks and 49ers. Uh, I I don't think so. The 49ers can't beat Seattle. Yeah, so that's not happening. Chiefs and Chargers is the following week. That could be intriguing. That one could be intriguing. Depends on how the Chargers season plays out, I think. So... That so there. It only took us until week eleven to really get excited about a, a Monday night game, and we really aren't that excited about it. Uh, week twelve, no, they'll just slobber all over Patrick Mahomes, yeah, again. which is is not fun to watch. Week twelve is the Ravens and the Rams. A couple of teams that start with R. <laughs> Could know. be intriguing. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. Just kind of see it where the Rams are at. See where their seasons are at. As you get further on, it all kind of depends on where where the seasons at. Week thirteen, Vikings Seahawks. Uh, nope, sorry. Uh, Giants Eagles week fourteen. Oh, that's gonna be horrible. <laughs> uh, yikes. Uh, week fifteen, Colts and Saints. 
Eh, Depends on the Colts. Yeah, that's it's kind of the, the tricky part. Uh, the week 16 is Packers Vikings. Oh, that. That's always a good game. I guess yeah. it depends on how Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are doing. Yeah. And then week 17 to finish things up. I'm, wait, am I reading this right? There is no Monday night game. Oh, there you go. See, we're done. I just I just ran through the whole thing for you. Hopefully you were able to figure out your Monday schedule for the next few weeks. And you realize that you shouldn't watch it because the better games are going to be on Sunday night. Unless Patrick Mahomes is playing. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.